April showers bring Mayflowers, but what do Mayflowers bring? A special offer from the DSR Network. For the month of May, become a member and receive 20% off a monthly or annual membership. Members receive an ad-free listening experience, exclusive bonus content, our evening members-only newsletter, and an invitation to continue the conversation via our members-only Slack community. This offer won't last, so act now. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code MAYFLOWERS, one word, to receive your discount. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code MAYFLOWERS. Thank you for your support. It's May 10th, 2023, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Chris Cotnor. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. According to the New York Times, a Manhattan jury on Tuesday found former President Donald Trump liable for sexually abusing and defaming E. Jean Carroll and awarded her $5 million in damages. More than a dozen women have accused Mr. Trump of sexual misconduct over the years, but this is the only allegation to be affirmed by a jury. In the civil case, the federal jury of six men and three women found that Miss Carroll, 79, former magazine writer, had sufficiently proved that Mr. Trump sexually abused her nearly 30 years ago in a dressing room of the Bergdorf Goodman department store in Manhattan. The jury did not, however, find he had raped her as she had long claimed. The jury, in returning the verdict shortly before 3 p.m., also found that Mr. Trump, who is running to regain the presidency, defamed Miss Carroll in October when he posted a statement on his Truth Social platform calling her case a complete con job and a hoax and a lie. His lawyer said he intended to appeal. Reuters reports that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen lands at Japan's G7 finance meeting this week with her ambitious economic agenda hijacked by a bitter partisan fight over the U.S. debt ceiling that threatens a new financial crisis and a signature tax deal blocked by Republicans. Yellen spent last year spearheading punishing G7-led sanctions imposed on Russia over its invasion of Ukraine. She's likely to spend much of the two-day meeting reassuring the same group that the U.S. is not going to tank the global economy with a payment default. Meanwhile, according to the Wall Street Journal, President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy remained at loggerheads after a meeting at the White House on Tuesday, making little progress in averting the first-ever default by the federal government, but setting plans for a new round of talks. In remarks after the meeting, Mr. Biden insisted the nation wouldn't default, while adding that the politics, posturing, and gamesmanship will continue in coming weeks. He said negotiators should discuss how to lower the deficit to put our fiscal house in order, but we need to take the threat of default off the table. Mr. Biden said he was open to the idea, proposed by Republicans, of clawing back some unspent COVID-19 aid funds. The president added that he and his advisors are exploring whether it is possible to invoke the 14th Amendment to unilaterally issue debt, but he said he doesn't view that option as a quick fix to a potential default because the legality of such a move is disputed 
and would likely be litigated in court. According to the AP, Pakistan's former Prime Minister Imran Khan appeared in court Wednesday, a day after he was dragged from another court and arrested in Islamabad, and his supporters clashed with police across the country. A judge was asked to approve keeping the 70-year-old opposition leader in custody for up to 14 days. Khan, who lost power last year, but remains the country's most popular opposition figure, is the seventh former prime minister to be arrested in Pakistan. His arrest deepened political turmoil and sparked violent demonstrations on Tuesday. At least two people were killed in the overnight violence, one in the southwestern city of Quetta and the other in northwestern Pakistan, and dozens were wounded in various parts of the country. Pakistan's GEO television broadcast footage showing Khan appearing before a judge at a temporary court inside a police compound Wednesday. The former premier was seen seated in a chair holding documents. He appeared calm but tired. Elsewhere, the Washington Post reports that federal prosecutors filed criminal charges against George Santos, the freshman Republican congressman from New York, who lied about his background and accomplishments during his 2022 campaign, according to two people familiar with the matter. The charges are under seal in a New York federal courthouse, and it was not immediately known what crime or crimes Santos is alleged to have committed. Santos is expected to surrender to federal authorities at 9 a.m. Wednesday, according to a person familiar with the case. The people familiar with the matter spoke on the condition of anonymity because of the matter's sensitivity. Santos did not respond to a text message seeking comment. A spokeswoman did not respond and an attorney for the congressman declined to comment. A spokesman for the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of New York also declined to comment. According to reporting from Politico, Former Bulgarian Prime Minister Boyko Borisov announced Wednesday that his center-right GERB party would nominate European Commissioner for Innovation Maria Gabriel to be the country's new prime minister. Reports began circulating in Bulgarian media Tuesday that the former MEP and two-time commissioner would be GERB's choice to break the political deadlock, which has snarled the country after five consecutive elections failed to produce a majority winner. The anti-corruption parties that came a narrow second in Bulgaria's election are saying they will not cooperate by appointing ministers in a GERB-appointed government, but Borisov is trying to force their hand. Following Borisov's announcement in Sofia's parliament, Manfred Weber, president of the European People's Party, said the group warmly welcomes Gabriel's nomination as Prime Minister-designate of Bulgaria. The BBC reports that Turks are at a historic turning point, choosing between two frontrunners for the presidency, offering dramatically different paths for their country's future. After more than 20 years in power, Recep Tayyip Erdogan promises a strong multilateral Turkey and the creation of six million jobs, and accuses the West of trying to bring him down. His chief rival, Kemal Kilic Daroglu, backed by a broad opposition, wants to steer his NATO member state back toward a pro-Western, more democratic stance. The president accuses his opponents 
of being pro-LGBT while his Islamist-rooted party positions itself as on the side of the family. Since 2017, Mr. Erdogan has run Turkey with sweeping presidential powers from a vast palace in Ankara. As executive president, he can declare a state of emergency and can pick or dismiss civil servants. But the man seeking to replace him wants to scrap the presidential system and become an impartial leader with no connection to a political party. Voters will go to the polls on Sunday. According to Al Jazeera, countries should agree to phase out fuel emissions, not the production of oil, gas, and coal. At UN Climate Talks this year, the United Arab Emirates says, UAE Minister of Climate Change and Environment Mariam Al-Mary said phasing out fossil fuels would hurt countries that either depend on them for revenue or cannot easily replace hydrocarbons with renewable energy sources. She favors phasing out fossil fuel emissions using capture and storage technology while ramping up renewable energy, saying this strategy allows countries to fight global warming while continuing to produce oil, gas, and coal. The renewable space is advancing and accelerating extremely fast, but we are nowhere near to be able to say that we can switch off fossil fuels and solely depend on clean and renewable energy, Almiri said on the sidelines of a climate conference in Washington, D.C. The comments reflect deep divisions among nations over how to combat the growing danger of climate change ahead of U.N. negotiations, known as COP28, to be held in Dubai from November 30th to December 12th. In lighter news from the AP, the week started with a bang for a homeowner in New Jersey after a likely meteorite blasted a hole through a house early Monday afternoon. A metallic rock fell out of the sky and hit a house in Hopewell Township, located approximately 10 miles north of Trenton. The Hopewell Township Police Department responded to the incident and confirmed that the oblong-shaped rock damaged the building. It penetrated the roof, the ceiling, and then impacted the hardwood floor before coming to arrest, the police department said. No one was injured during the incident. An investigation is underway to identify the rock and to determine if it is indeed from space. Scientists will closely examine the rock, which appears to have a charred exterior and measures approximately 4 inches by 6 inches. If you have a strange but true story that you'd like to share, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. The story should come from a reputable news source and be verifiable. If we use the story, we'll include a shout-out to the person who sent it. That's all the news I have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip topic or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief. If you'd like more in-depth analysis of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes and tune in to our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.